0: With supporters like you, you can help reclaim your rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org slash future. Life is a highway, and on it
1: there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Mc Crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hey, listeners. Sam here,
0: quick note before we start the show, we taped this episode Tuesday morning when it seemed as if a government shutdown was inevitable. So we talked about why it was happening and what it might look like. But after we taped Tuesday morning, briefly on Tuesday, it seemed as if the Senate and maybe even the House had found a deal, reached a deal that might keep the government open. That seemed to be the case for a few hours but then that deal itself seemed in peril. All this to say, by the time you hear this episode, who knows what will have happened. There might be a shutdown coming, there might not be. Either way, we're leaving our conversation in the episode because even if a shutdown doesn't happen now, it might very well happen later and all the points we talk about will still stand. All right, that said, let's get to the show. Uh, Thoughts and prayers to Capitol Hill. Also, one more quick note, Uh, the strike is officially over. The writer's strike is officially done. The writers are free to start working on Wednesday, the day that you can first hear this podcast episode. Hooray for the writers! I was trying to think of songs that have the singular lady. And the one that comes to mind first is D'Angelo's lady.
2: D'Angelo is literally why I'm gay. That music video
0: <laughs> of him yes. shirtless is How why. How does it feel? <laughs> so it's just it. the two of us. Sam Sanders, Zach Stafford, Vibe Check. Duo this week,
2: not a trio. Saeed is booked and busy, right? Yeah, he's, he's out here touring. I, you know, fun fact I was in Columbus this past weekend, and a lot of you reached out, uh, you know, lovingly saying, Oh, it's so exciting that you're with Saeed, you have to be with Sister Saeed. And I have a fact for you today Sister Saeed <laughs> left me in Columbus yes. to go yes. be a famous author, poetress mm-hmm. around the world. So Saeed's been doing a bunch of book events with Isaac Fitzgerald, and I also think on his own. Uh, but he's out here being a star, and it's really he's fun to see. Star. And I was, yeah. uh, and I felt the, the lack of his light in Columbus because I was bored. <laughs> oh, no. To all of our Columbus I, <laughs> listeners, we love y'all. Yeah, we love you. I just like, I only know Columbus as a Saeed Jones experience. And if you've ever done Columbus with Saeed Jones, you know it is quite the experience. So to not have his light and energy yeah. there was uh, was an interesting way to go through uh, the world without Saeed. And I now know I don't want to do that anymore. So That part. Damn, and that said,
0: listeners, Saeed will be back next week uh, in his absence Zach and I are gonna sunny and share this. Casey and JoJo, this duets in this. It's gonna be fun.
2: Yeah, I'm sorry uh, she didn't say Monica and Brandy. This they I'm didn't feel- get along. I know. Will you want us to do? That
0: <laughs> wow. we have a
2: lot of R and B references so far today.
0: <laughs> I like this. All right. All right, we got a lot to talk about this week. The end of the WGA strike. Hooray! 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 The start of the auto workers strike. And a looming work stoppage in D.C. There's going to be a government shutdown, it seems, this week. But first, I want to check in on the vibes. Zach, from what I hear, your vibe this week is football? Football, it is football. Okay, not the
2: soccer football. football, Not the soccer football, football, like the American football. And the Travis Kelsey football, who I have just now come to learn. Uh, So if you have been a person living on planet Earth over the past few days, you have heard that Taylor Swift, the superstar uh, singer, did go to a football game on Sunday. And the NFL made it a big, big thing for them. Uh, She's rumored to be dating Travis Kelsey. And I did not care about this news before at all. But yeah. seeing how my TikTok became every really? point of view of her in a box with his mom and became this analysis of this body was the language. Thing.
0: He, she's already with the mom. She was already with she's the mom. She's already with the
2: mom. She's moving fast.
0: Fast. fast Just the summer, she was dating uh, Matt, Healy. Face? Matt Healy. And
2: then right before that, Joe Alwyn. So she is Oof. swinging from man to man, but she's never publicly gone out. With a mom and been to a football game like this. And what I think is the best flex of this for me is that she just months before sold out that same stadium. And that was part of the pitch that <laughs> Travis Kelsey part. gave her was like, you've <laughs> been, I saw you rock the stage here at Arrowwood. I'd like you to see me rock the stage. Oh, uh, wow. And Travis Kelsey, as I've come to learn, is already a famous football player. I did not know that. Uh, <laughs> he's won the Super Bowl twice. He has um, a brother, right? He has the brother. Uh, they have yeah. a podcast. Uh, and yeah, and my favorite thing to watch on TikTok this week is currently. Uh, uh, women with uh, straight male partners telling them, isn't it great that Taylor Swift has made Travis Kelsey famous and what? them freaking out. What? So it is really great content. This so
0: <laughs> if your vibe is that, and that's what you're into this week, I do have to ask, are you tired of the perpetual Taylor Swift news cycle? I have come around to her this yeah. year. I support her business acumen. I love some of those bops. I think yeah. she knows how to be famous so well. Yeah, But we're in this place now where it seems like every week Taylor does something to rule the celebrity gossip news cycle and I do not know when it will
2: stop I think I've just become I don't know what's the word I, 'Cause I was like you. I was not into it. But yeah. lately it has felt like she's been authentically building her own drama in her life and her own stories. And these are like the, this mm-hmm. is like the Taylor Swift show. It's like Taylor's breakup, yes. Taylor's new love, Taylor's new football player. So I'm into it and she may have just beat me into submission because I'm just down. Right? For it. like,
0: well, you know what it was for me was uh Taylor Swift drunk at the VMAs. Love I was like, girl. Loved. You are me. Loved. This yeah. is like yeah. that's me. Yeah.
2: And I would say, you know, I was hesitant to say this on the show, but I've had a lot of coffee today, so I'll just go ahead and share <laughs> a secret. Uh, but some of you in my life definitely know this publicly. People don't know this that much, but me and Taylor grew up together, and we were and friends. went to school together. Went to school together, and I saw her very recently during the tour. Uh, we spent we spent some time together. It's amazing to see her become one of the biggest stars in the world, if not the, uh, the if not the, star in the world. you know, versus Beyonce. Um, by being herself. And that's what mm. I found really stunning seeing. Because this was the first time in years we'd really hung out or seen each other. And she was the same Taylor I knew when I was 13, 14, 15, 16. Okay. And to see her build stardom around that and kind of okay. be her authentic self, I think is really great. And I think that's why people have this like really parasocial relationship with her. Because I always tell people, I'm like, that's exactly how she that's is. Exactly she's like. I will
0: say it's very interesting to see the NFL fully embrace this new relationship. Because when Olivia Munn was dating Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. another football player, yeah. years ago, uh, they were not nice to her. They no. said that she cursed him in his playing.
2: Mm-hmm. So and, this
0: is a, a a new face for yes. football fans. And, and we I'll also, take it.
2: Yes, and we also know you know Giselle Bundchen when she was dating Tom Brady. They didn't like had her. feelings about that yeah. too. So yeah. you know the NFL fans. People always were worried about the Swifties, but it's these straight men in the football stands that they need to Who worry can be about. The Vipers, and the Taylor, uh, Taylor, Taylor, I think Taylor think won can, them over. She, she can take up take them on. I think. So
0: I think it is Taylor Swift has convinced enough straight women to have dragged their straight men to the Eras <laughs> tour. <laughs> yes, yeah. that now the NFL fans are actually already Taylor fans. <laughs> yeah (laughs) because they were at the shows.
2: Yeah. They were at eras. So, and then I'm going to build a bridge here to your vibe because, you know, we found out this week, and I'll save this news for you to to talk about here, but we found out who's performing at the Super Bowl. And for a a bit of time, people rumored that Taylor Swift was going to do it. But people were making jokes that she's going to say no because she, her fans would just buy out the stadiums and no one would be seeing the football game. <laughs> there wouldn't be uh, the football so game. So it felt funny to see her go to a football game and see all of those people become her fan. Um, but speaking of fandom, there is a superstar performing in Sam. You're yes, a big fan.
0: baby. I'm so ready for this. Uh, it was announced this week that the headliner of next year's Super Bowl halftime show in Las Vegas will be one Usher Raymond. Wow. And let me tell you, I'm so ready. I have, for many years since high school been one of his biggest fans because the record when it comes to the hits is mm-hmm. just spotless. He yeah. can sing, he can dance. He's had number ones in multiple decades, and everyone you know has at least one Usher song they love. yeah, um, this is kind of like a wonderful part of what has felt like Usher's second act recently. Mm-hmm. He's been doing this Vegas residency. This show wow. is so popular and so renowned. It's even broken up a relationship. I wouldn't even get relationship? into the Kiki Palmer of it all. But oh, Kiki right, Palmer right. after going to the Usher show uh and her man complained about it. She she said, "I'm keeping Usher, forget the man." <laughs> she left her man after the Usher show and then made a music video with Usher. I mean, but that's His the power, power of Usher. Her. That's
2: the power of Usher, His power. Yeah.
0: So I'm just ready to see this show. We're like Usher's one of those few performers who can sing and dance at the same time and is really good at singing mm-hmm. and really good at dancing. There's a very small number of performers working today who can do that consistently. Yep. Beyoncé, Usher are two of them. Yep. So this show is going to be great. Also, Usher has already done the halftime show before in 2011 he was oh, a supporting act oh, for the Black yeah. Eyed Peas. Yeah. I so he about knows that. he knows this stage, he knows
2: this format, he knows this setup. Um, I'm just ready for it. Like, there's no downside yeah. to this for it's me. It's kind of stunning it's taken this long for him to get this opportunity because right? he was bigger than the Black Eyed Peas back then. Literally. So what was going on? But the big complaint I've heard from folks online, and these people may not even be real, but some people mm-hmm. have said that Gen Z is not aware of Usher. Do you believe that or not believe that?
0: Gen Z does not watch the NFL, so sit right. down. I (laughs) I just just choked on my coffee. (laughs) No, like, they are the least likely to tune into broadcast sports that happen at a set time. The Super Bowl halftime show audience is not Gen Z. It's millennials, Gen X, and boomers. You'll recall the Death Row Records halftime show from a few years ago. That's right. That was for the aunties. That wasn't for Gen Z. Anywho, I'm ready for it. Usher, do it to it. Anyone listening who has a Super Bowl hookup, call me. There you have it, listeners. VibeTech is now pro football. <laughs>
2: Done. I mean, we still in think... It. We did an episode forever ago about the problems within the NFL over True. the years. So we still stand by those things. We but still stand by that. They're, they're, they are tricking us. Their PR campaign is working lately with these stars, What if so.
0: Kelsey made the Super Bowl and I'm Taylor there. was there too in the crowd while Usher performed?
2: The Super Bowl is praying for that. Their ratings would be they need out of it. this world. They they're need probably it. going to make sure that happens. So, yes. yeah. Conspiracy yes. theory.
0: Yeah. Anywho, listeners... That's our vibe this week. going to jump now to the show. But before we do that, I have two small corrections to issue on last week's episode. Um, we heard from a few listeners uh, that called out some flaws in the episode, and we thank y'all for that and want to address them. Uh, last week, I talked about the UN General Assembly and mentioned uh, the problems facing the global South. I implied that the global South is only countries beneath the equator. That is not true. Um, the term Global South refers to various countries around the world that are sometimes described as developing, less developed, or underdeveloped. Many of these countries, although by no means all, are in the Southern Hemisphere, largely in Africa, Asia, and Latin America. Sorry for the era. Thanks for catching it. We want to get it right here, and we appreciate y'all. Mm-hmm. Another correction uh, to issue. During our discussion of Hassan Minhaj uh, and a scandal over him, Making up jokes for his comedy special, we pronounced his name wrong. We said Hassan Minaj; it should be pronounced Hassan Minhaj. We apologize for the error, and thanks to our listeners who called us out on that. Part of why we got it wrong uh, was that, in fact, we've heard Hassan pronounce his name differently over the course of his career, uh, and he talked about this a few years ago on the Ellen Show. And it's
1: Hassan Minaj. No. Or, or, yes. No. Really?
2: Well, my name is Hassan Minhaj. Oh.
1: I want to do this, I actually want
2: to do this on, on national television. Good, please, because yeah.
1: everyone that says your name says Hassan Minhaj.
2: Yeah, but the real way you pronounce it, and this is a big deal because my parents are here, it's Hassan Minhaj. And uh, people always mispronounce it. They're always like, Hassan Minhaj, yeah. Hussein. It, I'm so sorry, I can't pronounce it. Meet my son, Higsby Witherthrottle yeah,
1: the Third. Yeah. And I'm
0: like, um, so Hassan started out in his career just allowing folks to say his name how they wanted to say it. And over time, he gained confidence
2: to say, no, here's the way it goes. We want to honor that. And we're sorry for the error." It, it just shows you kind of how complicated the story is in itself. That You know, we've known this man for so long and there's been different versions of him that we've known. And we've projected things onto him. So I yeah. think, you know, we owe it to him that even though, you know, he may be uh, having a complicated uh, relationship to the truth these days, the one thing we do know is that we, can uh, say his we, name, we should right? honor yeah. people's names. You shouldn't make yeah. fun of people's names, misstate their names no matter what's going on. Yeah. So we are happy uh, that you all call us out on that and we're happy that you're allowing us to talk about it here again. So thank you guys. Yeah.
0: It's interesting though, after we realized we had been saying his name wrong, we did some digging online. There's like videos of Trevor Noah <laughs> saying yes, "Hasan Minaj.
2: Yeah, it's <laughs> it's, it's like, wild, and people yeah. can Google this. Sam and I have both been around him due to work, and I interviewed part him years show, ago for my yeah, last. Yeah, we've been show. a part of yeah. shows before he took the stance where he was saying it yes. this one way. So yeah. it's complicated, but moving forward, we that's will it. Make no sure.
0: excuse. Yeah, going to get it right. Uh, thanks to all those listeners who reached out to keep us honest and uh, keep us factual. You can always email us with comments, clarifications, corrections, all that stuff. We we are at vibe check at
2: Stitcher.com. And I will say, y'all are the nicest fact-checkers in the world. The emails we get are like, so Hi, so I love, love you. so much. Bye. And there's a thing. <laughs> and you know what? That is called calling people in. So call us there you more. That's great. We appreciate it. Before we get into this episode, we want to thank all of you who have sent us fan mail, not just the fact-checking, but the other stuff. We love all of it. Keep it coming. Uh, you can reach out to us there or on social media. Uh, we love reading it all. Again, our email, if you haven't heard it already, is vibecheck at stitcher.com. And with that... Sam, should we jump into the show? So first off, we are really happy to talk about this next segment because we've been talking about it for over 160 days and it's now finally potentially over. And that Thank is goodness. the writer's strike here. It in. was getting biblical.
0: Yeah. I was like, is this going to be a 40-year strike? Like, what is happening? It
2: was like, when they, someone said five months, it made me sick to my stomach because I thought that's most thats most of this year. Yeah. and that is half the year they haven't been working. And we've just like friends of ours, colleagues, people we love, have just not been working for five months, which is just so wild. And we've been really grateful that we've kept working, but, you know, so many people we know and love haven't. Um, so if you've been watching the news, you've seen that the WG, or the Writers Guild of America on the AMPTP which is the producers and the studios have reached a tentative agreement to end the writer strike after five days of negotiations that happened over the weekend and they were in a mall
0: in the valley in a mall (laughs) it was they, they all met in offices that were at a mall in the valley called the Galleria Southern California is so weird
2: So they did all that for the past few days and they've come to a tentative deal that the WGA is really excited about. And I will say I've never seen a union put out before the details come out such a positive spin on the letter. Yeah. And where we know it's probably positive is that there hasn't been any leaks to the trades like we've seen over the past, you know, five months. There you go. Saying otherwise. So I think things have gone in the way of the writers. Um, and we will be knowing those details pretty soon. You know, we taped the show on Tuesday. They're supposed to vote. The Writers Guild is going to vote today, uh, according to the New York Times, on... I don't know, it's a ratifying or kind of a ratification yeah. on this uh, deal. Um, so by the time you're listening to the show, we should know more. But we're going to dive into what we do know so far. And a big yeah. part of this deal is that we are seeing that the writers are going to be protected when it comes to AI and owning their work. And we also know they're going to get paid more and that their writers rooms are going to have minimums, meaning there will be more people getting jobs per show. So with that, Sam, how are you feeling now that this biblical strike is over? What are your first hot takes on it all? I'm feeling like they
0: could have gotten here four months ago. Yes. Um, All the things that we're seeing as a part of this deal were things that the writers were asking for months before the strike began. Minimum staff sizes for these writers' rooms, something resembling a residuals process Mm -hmm. for working on shows and movies, basically success-based bonuses when your work succeeds, and protections against AI. This is what they've been asking for forever. And the fact that the AMPTP wanted to just drag it out and see if they could break the writer solidarity, you couldn't, you didn't. hope you're happy. It's done now, but this could have literally been done months yeah. ago. So that's my first takeaway. Um, the second is keep it going. You know, the writer strike is over. The actor's strike is still going on. Yeah. The hope is that that ends soon, but I think this resolution gives a lot of momentum to the actors still working on their deal. Yeah, We've talked before about how we are in a hot labor summer, a hot labor year. You know, we see the auto industry also striking right now. I hope this energy continues, and I hope strikes and protest sweeps through every industry until the working class and the upper working class gets what they deserve. Yeah. I'm happy about this, and I say
2: keep Yeah, I agree with you so much there. And something I found very shocking yesterday Mm -hmm. and also exciting was that SAG uh, members who are in the video game industry approved uh, the ability to strike if their deal negotiations fall apart. There you go. So you're already seeing from when the WGA took this really you know, drastic and necessary stance that the ripple or the wake of that moment that has now brought in the Actors Guild and now it's bringing in the video game creators and actors. You're seeing that energy just kind of spread like wildfire and I'm hoping it's leading us to a better labor market for folks because what has also been shocking is just how... No one was making money. Sam, do you remember the videos in the first few weeks of the actors being like, I only worked on one show this year and I made less than $30,000 a
0: year? No, it's wild. It's wild. I mean, th- this is the thing. It's like, from the start, the math wasn't mathing. No, There was no way that David Zaslov and Bob Iger and others could justify the tens of millions they get every year when the folks actually making the sausage were, in some instances, on food stamps. The math... Oh was not mathing. Yeah, And I just, I hope that like, this isn't the end, but the start. Yeah. You got to strike again in a few years, do it again. Get what you need. I will say though, and I want to hear your perspective on this because you have a lot more inside sourcing than I do. The fear now, as we start to see these strikes end in the entertainment industry, is what does the landscape after this look like? Mm-hmm. So there's gonna be a lot more protections and benefits for these writers but will they have as many jobs to go back to. Yeah. Even before the strike began, there was talk that all of streaming and broadcast television had to basically retract because they were making too many shows that weren't making enough money. For the last 2 years or so, every year we've seen more than 500 scripted series being made.
2: That's too <laughs> Wild. much. Yeah. You can't
0: do you can't watch yeah. it all. So we already knew that these big streamers were going to scale back. Will that be exacerbated by these streamers now saying, well, if we have to pay these writers more, mm-hmm. we'll just have fewer of them anyway. Yeah. With all that, my fear is that, yes, the strike is over, but all of the writers who are striking, not all of them will walk back into jobs.
2: One, I'm so glad you're saying this because it's like yeah. the thing we've been all whispering about yeah. and been worried about. And the reason why folks like you and I have been thinking about it is that mm-hmm. we Spent most of our lives in media right now, news yeah. journalism, which we saw a similar rise through the infusion of private equity and all the in, in NBC Universal giving BuzzFeed half a billion dollars, all this kind of investment in the future of digital publishing with no real business model built around it. So when that ballooned and cost became so big, and we're having this golden era of journalism that you and I really came up in and where the, you know we began with so many resources, then there was a huge contraction to where now there's been thousands and if not tens of thousands of jobs um just eradicated over the past few years as the rise of unions have also happened in journalism. So I've been fearing this whole time, like, oh God, this is this going to end in a way that makes it more equitable? more rights, more protections for people, but it also will probably end in a way where less people will have the opportunity. And that's what's going to be really confusing is people are like, oh, we came into this, you know, with all of us thinking we're going to get jobs and have more protections. And yes, you will if you're in the union. But will all of you have the opportunity to exercise those protections? I don't think so. Because I think these big studios are dealing with what exactly you know the BuzzFeeds of the world have been dealing with, is that they took yeah. on a lot of money, they spent a ton, they didn't show the business rationale for creating too much content, so now they have to be really specific and intentional and spend a lot less. So these writers, I would bet, if they're like the journalists we know, are going to get jobs, but they're going to be doing even more work than ever before, but at least they yeah. will be making living wages, which is say, a perk for this. Yeah. So, yeah. Something else though that I uh-huh. found shocking and that I've been wanting to ask you about and it's kind of perfect yeah. that Saeed's not here today because be questions <laughs> Watch <No>. your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I miss him. But something I've just been really realizing lately, I would say the writer strike has been the first time since, you know, the housing bubble uh, happened in 2008, yeah. a big recession there. Um, that I've really felt the economy retract in my own neighborhood, or saw mm-hmm. the real impact. Mm-hmm. And California has been dealt a really big blow due to the writer strike. Just some reports out this week, according to a few economists, we've seen over five billion dollars lost in California alone, which is why Governor wow. Gavin Newsom personally showed up to these he negotiations. Was like, I'm at the mall. And, yep, I'll be negotiating he's like, I'll as be well. here. But <laughs> Sam, have you felt the fallout of this in your own neighborhood, or as you move through uh, LA, are you seeing? less people eating what is it been your kind of point of view on all this yeah i mean
0: you know we're in this moment where all of the media that we consume is going to be in a period of retraction for a few reasons the era of streaming and on demand whether it be in music or in tv and movies uh it led to a certain kind of bloat that was unsustainable and also and no one talks about this enough you know all those peaks that we saw in TV viewing and streaming and podcast listening during the pandemic—that's ending because people are back outside. Yeah, I hear all the time from people who were saying, "I love podcasts. I love your podcast. I listen to podcasts less now because I'm like living my life again." Exactly. To which I say, "Yes, like yes. go for outside. You. I'm not please. mad at it. Yes,
2: please. it is. It does feel like our media habits are changing, which is natural as people. You know, our our lives are changing. We're having kids. We're growing up. We're going outside. You may have fallen in love. Whatever it is." But... You know, what we're trying to deal with right now, us as creators, as makers, is like, why are we being penalized with these like, kind of overpromised traffic numbers, with these overpromised viewer numbers? And how do we build a world in which we say, you know, art matters, media matters, everyone deserves access to it? Um, but, you know, we don't have to be reprimanded if, you know, behavior change too much, that these things should be institutionalized. So that's what unions are doing. And I think at the end of the day, if you're like, why is this such a big deal? It's saying that it's changing a system to say that even if things go to hell, these riders will have some sort of, you know, golden parachute, something to, to kind of catch them if they fall. And I think all mm-hmm. of us deserve that. Um, which brings me to the next point, Sam, because you're the one that flagged this for me, which is the otter strikers um, yeah. that are happening right now. So why is that an even potentially bigger deal than the rider strike right now? And how are we going to figure uh,
0: out? I think increasingly, or at least right now today, it's a bigger deal because President Joe Biden is showing up to join you really? on the picket line. <laughs> yes, this is unheard of. I don't think we've ever seen a sitting a president. U.S. president no. join a picket line with striking workers. That's a big deal. And as a symbol, it really signifies how much America is having a labor Moment. So much of this feels like a needed response to this era of shareholder primacy that we've been in with these large companies, all kinds of large companies since the 80s, you know, in the 70s and 80s, the entire bent of what major corporations thought they were there for changed. Before then, the thought was corporations should be good to their workers and to the community while also making profit. In the 70s and 80s, the view became companies are just here to make profits and just here to keep shareholders happy and maximize profits for these shareholders. I think that era has Mm -hmm. led to a moment where auto executives or TV and streaming executives are making tens of millions while their workers need more. And if this labor moment means that that era of shareholder primacy and profit at all costs ends, I want it. Yeah. Keep it coming. Joe, stay out there. Yeah. Stay on I, the line,
2: baby. I agree. I was stunned when I saw, I think it was the uh, CEO of Ford who had that viral moment where she was uh, being asked about her 30 plus million dollar a year mm-hmm. salary. And the reporter was rightfully pushing in saying, you know, you get this. Why can't your workers get the same comp that of part. a year over year raise? And she said, well, mine's tied to like the company's performance and all this stuff. And she's like, great. And aren't they part of the performance are they too? part of it too? And she yeah. really couldn't give a sufficient answer. And I think in those moments, that's when you're like, ah, these these workers are right. They're on to something. We should be demanding more profit sharing here. Because it's like, honestly, like, we don't make $30 million a year. And in my mind, from this position, if I did, and someone's like, you need to take $5 million less so all of your workers also... I'm I would like, be like, okay, yeah, sounds good it. to me. Great, Sounds good to me. So yeah. it just feels so, so greedy. But yeah, I think we're going to be tracking this one for a while. And I did not... i just shocked that Joe Biden's going. That is a... I guess he's no longer wild. Sleepy Joe. He's very awake yeah, and moving is, through uh, the streets. He well, is in solidarity. I, well, to close, Sam, I want to ask something fun, which is, you know, what are you looking forward to now that the Hollywood strikes are ending and television is coming back.
0: Abbott, Abbott,
2: Abbott. That's
0: it. Bring me back my Abbott Elementary. If they can get me some new episodes before the year is out, I'll be a happy man. Mm-hmm. Quinta, gather your troops. We're ready Dope. for you.
2: So ready. I'm so excited for That's that. That's it. I'm yeah. also what about you? mine is um, Interview with the Vampire was filming during the strike, which is wait, the AMC they're doing show. a show
0: version of that. Wait, you have is it thing? already out? You no, I haven't seen Sam
2: that. Sanders. Is it good? Who's it? They did one season. It is the most it's incredible gay, right? show. It's so gay. It is okay. some of the best TV that's come out over the past year. It's so good oh. that Max has now put it on their service up until Halloween because oh. it has done so well for AMC because they bought the rights to uh, to Miss Anne Rice's work uh, right before she passed away. Okay. The author of all the books. And... Um, the show is just—I just think it's incredible. It's about a gay interracial vampire couple, which is my jam. It's gay in interracial Warwick. vampire couple, which is my jam. <laughs> that's my—that's my shit right there. Sounds so, like an episode title. So, <laughs> that could be very much. But um, they were filming in the strike because they were—they filmed the show in Prague, I believe. Uh, but when SAG began striking, all the actors were pulled back. So, so they're uh, so they're going back into production, I think, very soon, hopefully, which I'm very excited okay. about. Okay. All right. All well, right. Listeners, uh, write in. Let us know what you're looking forward to. What should we be watching for next year now that the scripted shows are headed back? Uh, And with that, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more. Stay tuned. Hey there. Zach Stafford, co-host of Vibe Check. And something I heard really early on in my career was this phrase that has never left me. It is, you can't be what you can't see. And for me, that is so true, All of the black people I got to grow up and watch on television, be journalists, and so much more are the foundation to why I continue to have a media career. And that's the case for so, so many people. And if you're looking for the next generation of influential black voices in media, you can find all of them on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Now they are. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
0: All right, we are back. Now we're going to switch gears and talk about another potential work stoppage. <laughs> this one in Washington, D.C. And this one not brought about by a majority of workers standing together no. in solidarity. And not even this, a fear of
2: A.I. either. Like, that really, yeah. I don't know why. And this is why yeah. Sam's doing this segment for us. So yeah. I'm like, what yeah. is going on?
0: Yeah, this work stoppage might be caused by a very small but loud minority of the Republican Party called the Freedom Caucus. Uh, Listeners, if you haven't been seeing the headlines already, it appears that the U.S. government is headed for another shutdown. Uh, America's current budget resolution is set to expire on October 1st, which means that lawmakers in Congress have less than a week to agree on a new resolution, which would fund the budget for the rest of the fiscal year. But it seems like it might not happen. It's gotten so bad that there had been talk about House members staying over the weekend to get a deal done. They didn't. They all went home. Uh Zach, you saw one of them, <laughs> I right? Saw one in of the them. airport.
2: I you know, I'm not gonna say her name. <laughs> because, say her name. Because like I, I'm pretty sure it was her because she was being escorted out, but I was in Ohio and I was in Columbus. Mm-hmm. So people can do the math there.
0: <laughs> Let's break all this down by first talking about who is causing the potential shutdown. The Washington Consensus puts the blame for these stalled talks squarely on Republicans and squarely on the far-right hardliners in the GOP called the Freedom Caucus. Folks on the Hill have said the talks were going well until that splinter group of Republicans, the Freedom Caucus, began putting pressure on House Speaker Kevin McCarthy to reject signing that resolution. Uh, You'll remember uh, in January when Kevin McCarthy was fighting to become speaker after like more than a dozen votes, he promised the Freedom Caucus a lot to win that speakership. Um, And now they're saying some of the promises you gave us were to really, really tamp down spending, and we want you to do it now. McCarthy made so many concessions to get the speakership. Now those chickens are coming home to roost. And it looks like he's in trouble either way. If he gives the Freedom Caucus everything they want, the measure will not pass the Senate. If he doesn't give the Freedom Caucus everything they want, they will almost for sure kick him out. And they'll be able to do it very easily because as one of the bargaining chips he used to get the speakership in January, he made it easier for the Freedom Caucus to vote out the House Speaker. Now all it takes is one disgruntled house member to begin the process
2: to remove Kevin McCarthy from the speakership. He did this to himself. I, this is like karma in the best way. You know, I want to play like Taylor Swift's karma song right now. Because this is just like, of course you've set up your own house of cards to fall. And, Marjorie Taylor Greene, I know that she hates being called dumb. I think that was a report recently. She doesn't like people. She ain't dumb. She doesn't seem that dumb, but she didn't learn this on her own, Sam. Who did she learn all these tactics from? Because this feels reminiscent to a bygone group of people in D.C., right? The Freedom Caucus has a direct through line to the Tea Party. Mm. which you'll recall began
0: uh, in the aftermath of the Obama election and his push for universal health care. You know, there was always a far-right faction uh, of the GOP, but they became emboldened in tandem with the rise of one Barack Obama. And even though he's gone, they haven't stopped. They haven't stopped, Mm -hmm. and you now have a fraction of the GOP that is so unaligned with the GOP that they can't even agree on stuff in their own chamber, which they run. Republicans have a majority in the House and they can't even get together.
2: But is that they're like how they just they rule, though? It feels like it's always just chaos after chaos, just kind of disorienting us all the time. And that's just how they want the world to be. Am I being too hyperbolic there? Or is that kind of what's happening?
0: I mean, I think there are some, the Matt Gaetzes, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Freedom Caucusers, who actually do want chaos. Because they know that what they really want will never pass both chambers. So they'd rather just argue and fight about what they want and see nothing get done rather than see things they don't believe in get done. Mm. But that's not the majority of Republicans. You know, (laughs) behind closed doors, these Republicans want to keep the government funded because— that funding affects their home districts. People forget the federal government is the largest employer in the United States. And money that comes through government funding keeps all kinds of things running all across the nation. The federal government is not just in DC. So if you are a run-of-the-mill GOP House member or senator, you don't want the
2: checks that come to your state to stop. Yeah. Well, why are they doing this then? Because you know people respond very quickly to money not coming to their bank account, not arriving. That's how you get people really riled up and out to to vote. But it feels like this is kind of like a not—I a, don't want to say a death sentence for them—but this would blow up in their faces if their base is like, "Wait, I'm poor because you're doing this." I yeah. just don't understand the political logic to shutting down a government ever. So
0: basically, the spending cuts that the Freedom Caucus wants are so much larger than even mainstream Republicans want that it's causing this logjam. When there have been previous shutdowns before, you could get Republicans to at least vote to continue fully funding the Pentagon
2: mm-hmm.
0: during the shutdown. They can't even get to there right now. Like, that's how bad it is, and that's how much the Freedom Caucus is asking for. It, it It's just, it's not going to happen. And McCarthy knows this. Uh, part of why he launched an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden a few weeks ago was to try to give the Freedom Caucus something they wanted, so they might give a little more on this spending and government shutdown stuff. But as soon as he launched the impeachment inquiry, the Freedom Caucus said, That's not enough. We still want these (laughs) draconian spending cuts.
2: It's crazy. Because it's like they want the impeachment inquiry. They want Hunter Biden. They want them to build a jail over Hunter Biden. They want Hunter Biden
0: (laughs) under the jail. They want nothing funded ever. I mean, they they want all of these things that they will just never get. And they would rather make a fuss about it than compromise at all. Um, It's so dramatic, Zach. Apparently... In one closed-door meeting recently talking about the Freedom Caucus potentially pushing a motion to have him removed as speaker, Mm -hmm. Uh, McCarthy is rumored to have yelled in the room, well, file the fucking motion. Just file (laughs) the fucking motion. This man's at his
2: wit's end. It's at his wit's end. I mean, do, what do you think his political future is after this? This is as far as he'll go. Yeah, if, like he's no Nancy Pelosi. Like Nancy <laughs> Pelosi, <laughs> that woman stayed in that seat forever. Yeah, yeah. And they are, Senator McCarthy's also from California. So we have these Californians, which is uh, interesting, on both sides of the aisle, those are where leadership comes from. But, you know, you mm-hmm. have him in the literal shadow of Nancy Pelosi, and he cannot keep up. And he I know that woman it. is cackling up in cackling. San Francisco. Yeah, he, he he had to go through more than
0: a dozen votes just to become speaker. And the thinking is, especially if a shutdown happens, he might not be speaker by the end of the year. So on top of just dramatic spending cuts, they also want these very conservative policy writers. They want to resume construction of the southern border wall. They want to end what they call, quote, woke policies at the Pentagon. They're just they're just pulling everything and saying, give us it all. They're throwing a fit and they're not going to get it. Woke policies. It's wild.
2: Do you think, this is my, la- my last question, I feel like this is just a second of be being like, Sam, please explain everything to me. How do you think this is going to impact the 2024 election? Will this actually help Biden, who I think is a bit struggling according to polls recently, which I don't know if those polls are valid or not, but that's definitely what the right's pushing, that Trump is leading. Uh, but this feels like, you know, even though Biden himself is not shutting down the government, presidents still get blamed when they do get shut down. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think there are a few things going on. I think you cannot at all predict what the last month or two of election dialogue will be if Trump is a nominee. He's just full of chaos and surprises. So if this shutdown happens in October, there's a good chance that we've forgotten about it by next fall before the election Mm -hmm. because Trump will just do so much, right? Um, I also think that in every election or special election we've seen since Roe v. Wade was overturned, Abortion was a defining issue. Mm. So I would argue that when push comes to shove and as we approach election 2024, that will be the biggest issue that voters are taking with them into the ballot box more so than this stuff. I think it might be forgotten. I think it's going to be really crappy and shitty for folks who aren't paid for the next few weeks if the government shuts down. But I do think other things will be top of mind by next November. I do want to say, though, a government shutdown is not a joke, uh, but it is happening a lot these days and almost too frequently. Mm -hmm. The government has shut down 14 times since 1980. And what's really (sighs) sad is that DC insiders are now
2: used to it. You are in D.C. right now, Zach. They're kind yeah. of just like, okay, yeah, this in. might happen, right? You would have yeah. no idea. I was at dinner last night in Arlington, which is, you know, literally across the, mm, the river yeah. of D.C., but I'm staying yeah. in D.C. And yeah, you would you could even guess it. These girls are just going about their days, going to happy hour, and yeah. a lot. I even heard jokes with someone I was at dinner with is in the federal government, and he's like, yeah, people have been, just been playing video games at work, actually, this weekend. Yeah.
0: <laughs> literally. No, it's wild. And, you know, a lot of it's confusing because even when the government, quote unquote, shuts down, not all of it shuts down. Yeah. About 73% of federal spending is considered mandatory. So it will not stop um, during the shutdown. But that doesn't mean that they're painless. You know, hundreds of thousands of federal workers could be furloughed. National parks and other public spaces will close. Disaster relief efforts may lose mm-hmm. funding. America could see its own credit rating decrease. Moody's has warned that if a shutdown happens, they could downgrade the country's AAA credit rating. And a shutdown will really, really, really hurt people who rely on SNAP benefits or other government safety net programs. So it's going to hurt <laughs> the least among us.
2: I can't the believe us. the U.S. government is on the brink of having bad credit. My God, that is, that is quite a yeah.
0: <laughs> America in
2: retrograde. Amer- Beyonce America said it. It. Yes, said America, America has, a has a problem. It has a problem with this credit. There we go. <laughs> Basically.
0: <laughs> to close this segment, I will say, watching this, I'm seeing one big lesson here. Uh, in politics, once you let a fringe element in, you can't kick them out. Mm. McCarthy thought he could let these Freedom Caucus folks in and they would just eventually go along to get along. That's not how it works. In fact, the GOP thought that they could let Donald Trump in a few years ago and get what they wanted out of him. He's still there, and they can't get rid of him. That's not how it works. You take him in, they stay. Yeah, like weeds. Just grow. Like weeds. <laughs> cool. Yeah. It's also so ironic to see with the writer strike, the actor strike, the auto workers strike, across all kinds of sectors in America, you've seen a majority of disgruntled workers fight for equity, leading to work stoppages because of this. We might have a work stoppage in DC that is caused by a very vocal and loud minority who has arguably gotten already more than they deserve. It's like the inverse. It's it, the
2: inverse it's it truly is and when you if you want to make yourself even more mad, just Google some of these salaries from these uh, congressional leaders and how much Woo! money that they're gonna be collecting money. while everyone else is not. so it is a it is pretty uh poetic in the worst ways that we have these Congress people walking out of their jobs uh, and yeah. creating lack, lack of money for all of us in the face of all these other workers actually walking out of their jobs and really being hurt by it. It's just really yeah. yeah.
0: I would say, usually, use this opportunity to call your House member, call your senator, but baby, they ain't at work. They've gone home. (laughs) They won't answer. (laughs) (laughs) They won't answer. They're at the bar. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We will keep watching this, uh, and we'll for sure talk more about it soon. Time for another quick break, but when we come back, recommendations.
1: Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt.
2: We are back, and before we end the show, we'd each like to share something that's helping us keep our vibes right this week. You know, that's our favorite part of the episode where we talk about our recommendations. Uh, So to get us going, Sam Sanders, what are you reading, watching, listening to this week?
0: I just finished reading and just finished interviewing the author of an upcoming book that is a history of social media. It's called Extremely Online, and it's by Taylor Lorenz, a journalist our listeners, I'm sure, have Mm -hmm. heard of. She uh, made waves for herself as a social media and tech reporter at The Atlantic, then The New York Times, and now The Washington Post. But she's out now with a book that traces the rise of social media from, like, MySpace to now, and it's really cool. You know, I went into this book thinking I kind of knew a lot about social media because it's built my career. But there were so many anecdotes and stories that she told in this book that I did not know about. For instance, Zach, did you know that at its founding, YouTube was started as a dating website?
2: I did not know that. And I am shook over that because right? I'm
0: like, what? You had to upload videos of YouTube? It was a video dating website. <laughs> oh, my God. And That sounds awful. And the creators wanted it to be that. And the users were like, no, we want to use it for this. And the whole book is about how all of these titans of tech, who we think have started the most revolutionary social media companies of our time, all of them began by making the platform for one thing. And then users came in and said, it should actually be for this thing. And that's what made
2: it work. I love that. What I, what I really love about this is I have an ongoing theory that all social media has roots in dating and love uh, and this YouTube case helps me make that argument even more because what I would argue uh, when I worked at Grindr as chief content officer was that if you look at Grindr and you look at the interface then you open up your Instagram you're going to notice they look exactly the same and Grindr the same before It's the same pictures girl so, we, so dating and people when we look at the internet like gay.com all these like things it was like porn and dating is what really mm-hmm. launched the internet so I can't wait to read this book because I love Taylor's work she's been Taylor's a colleague gay. A friend of ours for years and to see her glow up in this way has been amazing but it's also been amazing to see her you know say hey i'm a woman gonna cover tech in this way through social media yes. and, and no publicly. one took her and publicly and no one took her seriously and now look and at look her at it now. It now so look we love it you now. taylor love yes it. the book is called extremely online
0: the untold story of fame influence and power on the internet the book is not out until october 3rd of this year a week from now but you can pre-order it now, and uh, fun fact, listeners, pre-orders count a lot into helping books mm-hmm. make bestseller lists in their first week. So if you want to get this book, go pre-order it now, or get it for real, for real, on October 3rd.
2: Yeah, I love it. Love it, love it. What's your rec, Zach? Zach? So My Wreck is a new docu-series. I think it came out last week. Yes, it came out on September 20th. I've watched the whole thing. Surprising nobody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the series is called The Supermodels on Apple TV. So Which you, models? It's Okay, so that I'm glad you asked. So The Supermodels, as we all know, there's been supermodels for a long time. But in the 80s and 90s, there was a group that really defined the era. And those women were Naomi Campbell, Cindy Crawford, Linda Evangelista and Christy Turlington. You know, uh, Naomi, these Cindy, These are the women Christy,
0: in the George Michael video, In the right? George Michael video, Freedom, Freedom video. video yep. oh, they iconic. have like
2: the most Vogue covers ever. Um, Linda, Christy, and Naomi were called the Trinity because they were always together wow. and doing all the biggest shows. Cindy Crawford was like the face of America forever. Yeah. She was the face of Pepsi, Revlon, everything. But this docuseries tracks kind of their rise um, and you learn so much about it. Like a few things I didn't know. I didn't know they were all actual friends. They all met the same year because they all started modeling around the same oh. time. Oh, I love they just that. kind of grew up together. I also didn't know Naomi Campbell is Nelson Mandela's granddaughter that he adopted. What? Yes. He was like you're going to be my granddaughter. So he just like brought her in and oh. like he trained her and put her as a, you know, as a board member of his children's fund and all wow. these things and showed her how to do humanitarian work. So if That's you're really amazing. interested in these women who really define beauty in the 90s in in good and bad ways which they all talk about, which is interesting. They talk about the impact of their their bodies being used to make women feel bad about themselves. Um, but if you're interested in the stories behind all that, get into it. Uh, Linda Evangelista's in it and she famously, I think just last year, uh, came she out as... bots botched
0: plastic surgery. Yeah, right? from
2: Cool Sculpting. So a big part of the end of the show is about her dealing with that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know she had gone into hiding for years and no one had seen Poor her. So thing. It's just really interesting and I love talking about fashion and thinking about fashion and the series is really strong. So definitely watch it. And then they're also um, on a cover of Vogue. I think it's uh, both British and American Vogue lately. So you can buy that as well.
0: Yeah. Also, fun fact, uh, listeners who have gone to see the movie Bottoms, which is super fun. Cindy Crawford's daughter is in yeah. the film. Kaya. Looking
2: just like Cindy Crawford. Looks just like Cindy It's Ca- wild. Cindy Crawford makes a joke on the film where she says, she recognizes like, I was one of the most famous models ever, but now my daughter is more famous than me and I should probably just switch my social media to mm-hmm. Kaya's mom because no wow. Gen Z person knows who I am. So wow. yeah, but they just look like. I mean, I get why they're booking Kai. It's like you want young Cindy Crawford. Yeah, there she is. She's
0: all. And 20. listen, the chokehold Cindy had on the culture. I remember feeling like there was a world premiere for Cindy Crawford's Pepsi
2: commercial back in there. The was day. fully it felt it, like, like that. That big. She also had her that own big. show on MTV.
0: Oh yeah. Where
2: she blended music and fashion together. So yes. she and she even talks love about her. like I became a supermodel, but then I became a commercial like celebrity. There and we that's go. it. So we love it. Um love check it. it out. Let me know what you think. Uh, and if you're not watching that, but you're watching something else, let us know. You can email us at vibecheck at stitcher.com. And All right. that, that's the show. Just us. You Just what, us what song did we begin with? D'Angelo's Lady D'Angelo Lady. <laughs> Goodbye ladies. Is there
0: a goodbye? Is there a goodbye lady song? Oh, goodbye ladies. I don't know. If there is one, listeners tell us. Email us. As always, thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Vibe Check. If you love the show and want to support us, please make sure to follow the show on your favorite podcast listening platform or subscribe to the podcast. And for real, for real, tell a friend. All of these things help the show grow. Keep us getting paid and keep you hearing good stuff. <laughs> support, Amen.
2: support, support. Amen. Support. And a huge thank you to our support always, Chantel Holder, and our guest producer for the week, Josh Richmond, who has been absolutely fabulous. For we love Josh. OG with the planning doc. Yes, Josh knows how to make a doc, honey. Uh, and our engineers, Sam Kiefer and Brendan Burns, and Marcus Holm for the music and sound design. Also, special thanks to our executive producers, Nora Richie at Stitcher and Brandon Sharp from Agenda Management and Production.
0: Listeners, I'm going to say it again. We want to hear from you. Email us at anytime at com. And one last note of thanks. The garbage truck has been coming down this street the entire credits. But I want to say it's a moment to thank the government for services like garbage pickup. <laughs> thank y'all. Anywho. The trash gets a shout out. I <laughs> love that. The trash gets a shout out. We we love it. We love a mutually beneficial social service Like Garbage Collection Anywho, stay in touch with us on Instagram At Zach Staff, at The Ferocity At Sam Sanders If you post about us, use the hashtag 5CheckPod Until next week, stay tuned Be well, we'll talk to you soon
2: Bye. Bye
1: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't.